Hello and good evening, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you this evening. Preferably, you're having a great week. And um, as always, I'm pleased to be before you on tonight. I uh, wanted to uh, wrap up this series on the light. This is the last lesson on the light. And tonight our topic is standing fast in the light or standing firm in the light. Um, but before we do that, let's have a moment of prayer and then I'll come back and talk with you about the scripture and um, we'll get on with it from there. Lord, we thank you for yet another opportunity to stand before your people. Lord, you know what we all have need of. We ask that you meet every need in the name of Jesus, Lord, that your precious word will go forth and divide asunder from joints and marrow, Lord, and meet the needs of the people. Father, we thank you because we know that what we pray is according to your will, because your, your purpose is to meet the needs of the people, Lord, and to draw them unto you. You said that if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And Lord, we're asking you on tonight, draw us the more, Lord, draw us the more. Help us to be like you, Lord, and bring glory unto your name. Make your word clear, make the word plain. Meet the needs now in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So on tonight, um, our topic is stand fast in the light. Our primary scripture is going to come from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. I certainly want to always shout out my pastors, the best pastors on this side of heaven, Bishop James F. Harris and Lady Sylvia Harris. Certainly all of the elders, Elder Wilson and uh, Danielle, Sister Danielle, Minister Rand, everyone that is continuing to serve in their proper place. And then, of course, I certainly have to shout out the wonderful, wonderful uh, Church of Redeemed Assembly. So with that, let's go ahead and look at our scripture, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It's a very familiar text, um, and it reads as such. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Here, we're being commissioned to stand. This word stand in military terms means to hold one's position. And so um, if we were to look at it in Greek and see what it means, it means to sort of hold your ground. Now, it's interesting here in this text that we're being asked to stand, to hold our position or hold our place. Now, just as a quick review, we've already talked about who the light is, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've talked about how he lights our way and how he's commissioned and commanded us to be the light. We've also talked about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that you cannot be the light without first knowing the life. And because of that relationship, whatsoever he says do will do it. 
We even spent time talking about how we want to be a witness to the light because we know the scripture says that they overcame him, meaning Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And so we understand all of these things. Now, here we are tonight with this scripture and we're being admonished to stand. And so I want to be clear that when we say stand in this type of warfare, there is a significant difference in the warfare waged by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as opposed to the one that's being waged by us. With regard to what Christ did, he was more offensive. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 55 through 57, he went forth and answered the question, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? So he had to go and get authority in that situation. So he was more offensive, if you will. Ours, on the other hand, in this text, is defensive. Again, Jesus warred against Satan in order to gain the victory. Through the cross, he carried the warfare to the very threshold of hell itself to lead forth thence his captivity captive. Today, we war against Satan, but we war to consolidate, appropriate, and even maintain, if you will, the victory that Christ has already gained us. The victory is already ours. When he died on the cross, he said it is finished. And it meant any and everything that would ever hinder you and me. So when we're being admonished here in this text to stand, what this means is we are to maintain the victory that Christ has already won. Amen. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. Romans 8, 37 says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so what that means is that today, we're really not fighting for the victory because we already have the victory. And, and the reason why we have that is in John 16 and 33, he said, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me, you might have peace. What do you mean peace? That you might have perfect tranquility, that you might be able to be in a good space, feel secure and feel safe. And it goes on to say, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. Well, that means affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, trouble, oppressing, pressure, uh, could be affliction or distress. So he's saying, you could even have these things, but he went on to say in John 16 and 33, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. What? You mean we are overcomers? Because he overcame, we overcame, because we have faith in him. And to overcome means to prevail, to get the victory. From Christ's standpoint, it means to carry off the victory and to come off victorious. It means to be victorious over all of his foes. When it comes to the Christians, it means to hold fast to our faith, even unto death, and to resist those powers of temptation, the foes that may come against us in those persecutions. So on tonight, when we talk about standing fast in the light, what that means is we're maintaining our victory. We already had it and we're not trying to give it up to anyone, especially unto Satan. If I were to read John 16 and 33 in the Amplified Version, it reads as such. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. 
take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it. Oh my Lord. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Amen. 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 So we are therefore admonished to stand. We are admonished and instructed to stand. And what that means is like in 1 Corinthians 16 and 13, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong, or Philippians 4 and 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved, or according to Galatians 5 and 1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty which Christ has made us free, and do not be yet entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so what a wonderful victory we're talking about tonight. We already have the victory and standing in the light means we want to maintain what Christ has already won for us because he who has promised is indeed faithful. Amen. Amen. Why then is this so important? Well, Christ really wouldn't take the time. And you can run reference on stand all throughout the Bible and you will see it over a hundred times written. Christ is very deliberate. He's a God of purpose. He's not going to take the time to tell us to stand and give us scriptures about standing and whatnot if he didn't know that there would be challenges to us standing and holding on to that victory. He knows that the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He knows that Satan is not satisfied with the fact that we have this victory in Christ Jesus and that he is doing everything he can to try and snatch it out of our grasp. As a matter of fact, if you go back to our primary text in Ephesians 6 and verse 11, you will see the fourfold use of against. Four times God says it there. He says, stand against principalities, which is demonic forces and things of that nature. Stand against powers. Stand against the rulers of darkness of this age and stand against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Even in Luke, it said, Simon, Simon, Indeed, Satan has asked to sift you as sweet, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail you. And when you have returned, strengthen your brothers. And I submit unto you on tonight, my sisters and my brothers, we must stand. We must stand firm in the victory that has already been won for us. The only person who can give up that victory is you. The only person who can give up my victory is me. And that's based on the walk that I have and the decisions that I make. But we have to be encouraged that because we are standing for the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that even though we may not yet be perfected, but we are believing God to finish the work that's on the inside of us. We don't have a license to sin, but we know that by the grace of God, we have been saved and we believe in God for eternal victory. And because we are standing, then when we are faced with challenges or situations or trouble, we must go back and stand on the word of God. We must say to ourselves, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you should then be complete 
and perfect it, lacking nothing. And if that's not enough, we also have to make sure we understand that sometimes when we're trying to stand and it's very difficult to stand and we're struggling standing and we've got wind that's blowing and things that are hitting us from the left and to the right. And we don't sometimes know if we can make it, but we have to go back and get the word of God that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God looks into our future and saw some of the challenges that we would face and saw what we might have to deal with. God maybe saw COVID-19, saw Black Lives Matter, saw unemployment, saw sickness, whatever he saw. He went on and said to them in Matthew 19 and 26, but with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But you must stand in the light. You cannot start to move out of the light into darkness. You must stand in the light. Amen. Amen. Like it was with Jesus, so it is with us. Jesus actually said, you know, when he was taken in and he was talking with Pilate and all of that. And Pilate was asking him questions and Pilate said, do you hear me? And I'm paraphrasing by the way. Do you hear me asking you questions? Do you know that I have power of life and death over you? And Christ said to him in John 19, 11, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. And just like with Christ, it is with us. The enemy has no power over us. The enemy has no power over us. I'm going to say it one more time. The enemy has no power over us. Sometimes the problem is on the inside of us, we secretly agree with the enemy and we turn against ourselves. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But you can rest assured that anything that the enemy does bring to your door, God is intending to work it out for your good. Because we know, he says in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts to do you good and not harm and bring you to a perfect end. I can also hear the scripture saying, my, my prayers that you will prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So nothing that happens to you, no, no layoff, no cancellation of unemployment, no sickness, no injury, no lack, no nothing. Nothing can come near your dwelling place without first it being granted and given permission by the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you're in him, you know all things are working for my good. Okay, all things are working for my good. And you this is how you stand, by the way, in the light. This is how you stand. Okay, and so um, First Thessalonians 5 and 18 helps us to understand that then as we are standing, then in all things we can uh, give thanks. Rejoice always, pray without season and give thanks because this is the will of Christ. Um, Jesus for, for us in our lives. And I want to shout out, of course, um, Minister Rand on Sunday did an awesome job. We must be a praying people. We must be a praying people. And I do want to reiterate and stress, pray the word of God. You can pray beautiful things. The word is truth. It cannot return void, not one jot or tittle. Pray the word. Pray And when you don't know what to pray, allow the spirit of God, which we know according to the word, to make intercession for us. But we must stand fast in the light. There's, the enemy is not comfortable with us having all of this victory without trying to come 
for us, as the young people could say. And when he does, we've got to know God's plans towards us. And without having the word of God on the inside of us, without spending time in the instructions, like I think Minister Rand said, without understanding what God said, we could be easily deceived. A long while ago, I talked about how Eve was deceived. She didn't quite understand the scriptures so well. When she quoted it back to Satan, because Satan had said to her, did God say such and such? She quoted the scripture back, but she quoted it wrong. We must, we must make sure that we understand what the instruction book says, and we have to follow it. Now, let me just take a moment here. I'm getting off my notes, but I'm, I'm telling you, we got to stand fast in the light. Say if for some reason we alter, we falter to the left, we falter to the right. We got to be quick to repent. We got to be quick to repent, particularly in times like these. We don't want to keep going having an issue with God. No, we want to be in right standing then. There's some scriptures that Bishop often says when someone is being baptized, but those scriptures kept running reference in my mind last night. Romans 6, 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer therein? And what do we do next? Acts 2.38, what Peter said. We repent and we let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins so that we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, John 16.1 says, These things I have spoken to you, that ye shall not be made to stumble. And so at the end of the day, let's go get a hold of the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word brings conviction. The word brings back. God will even bring back the word. I'm telling you, you could have read the word a while ago and you'd be in a situation. The spirit of God will bring those words back up to your mind and to your remembrance and will enable you to stand. That's what it means by take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God. And that is an offensive weapon, but it's also a defensive weapon when we use it to allow us to stand. We saw that in the person of Christ Jesus after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and Satan came upon him. He just simply said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He used the word to maintain his ground. You're not taking anything away from me. I'm standing on what Christ has already done. A mighty price was paid. And because that price was paid, I'm not giving mine up. I may not have dotted every I. I may not have crossed every T, but I'm believing God for victory. And I'm sure that he will perfect those things that concerneth me. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. Thank you all for bearing with me as I get so excited here. Ephesians 1, 17 through 22. It's the prayer for spiritual wisdom. I'm going to take time and read it here, but go back and look at it. The word says, ask and you will receive. Ask for spiritual wisdom. Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see what you're doing. Help me to understand what you're saying. But this is what the scripture reads. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you and to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. When God gives it to you, you don't have to work it out. You don't have to dig deep. He just reveals it so that you can understand it. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Lord, help me understand. Give me wisdom. Give me insight to what you're doing. I think it's Danielle that often says that let the um, 
got a revelation and illumination, and I'm going to botch the rest of it. But what I take from that when she says it, give me, let the eyes of my understanding be enlightened, that I may understand what you're doing, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is. In verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, all power, all authority, mm -mm -mm, towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. What power? The same power that raised Christ from the dead. This is the same power that is available to work within you and within me. And it says in verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And not only that, but then he seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. And guess where he was? Far above those principalities and far above those powers and with all might and dominion that I talked about in Ephesians, that at every name that is named, not only in this, every name, every name, in the dinosaur age, every name, in, in the living in space age. I, I, I don't know. People just say, you know, when was the beginning? We know where we are now in this century. But every name, whether the name was, whether the name is, or whether the name is yet to come, it does not matter. But every name, not only in this age, but also which is to come, then he put all things, all things. He put death. He put lack. He put sickness. He put fear. He put anxiety. He put depression. He put worry. He put guilt. All things under his feet mm -mm -mm. and gave him, being in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be head over all things, all things to the church, which is the body. We're the body of Christ, the fullness of him who feels in, who feels all and all. Okay. It's necessary that we have this wisdom and this understanding because sometimes we don't know who's for us. And we can get deceived, we can get confused, and we can be the ones that actually ends up canceling our own selves out. This is necessary because in Romans, he tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. He even says in Philippians 5 and 2, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Now I'm stressing this and why we have to do this to be able to stand in the light is because, you know, most of us were not born saved. Many of us have lived a bit, okay? And when we've lived, we've had these influences in our lives. I'm gonna talk about two on tonight. One influences the world. And this is where some of this whole wrestling against, you know, the principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places and so forth. And when we talk about the world, whether there was a lot of love in your home, whether there was no love in the home, whether the cultural environment was positive, whether you were looked at as being less than, whether if your hair was a little bit kinky, you were looked at as unattractive, whether your peers thought you were smart, whether you were considered not so bright, 
all of those things help to combine to form my identity and to form your identity. And because of all of the things that we have experienced in the world, even before we came to Christ, and even now that we are in Christ, we still are living in the world. We still have many, many experiences that can start to shape our identity if we're not careful, if we're not watchful, and if we don't let the enemy take what already has been given to us. My last name could might as well be Jesus Christ because I'm in covenant agreement with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that he's won and every victory that he has, it is mine. It's like he already signed the check, but it's up to me if I want to cash that check, if I want to make that deposit or I can give it away or I can leave it on the shelf. And what I'm saying on tonight, we don't want to give it away and we don't want to leave it on the shelf. Even in today's times, there are some things that could be highly sensitive to us. There could be some criticisms and things of that nature. What we have to do is we have to understand that there is a lot that's been poured into us because of the world that we live in. And many of us, truth be told, there are a lot of adults who sometimes think that they're mentally slow simply because someone told them they were slow. A teacher told them, a mother told them, a dad told them, you're going to be just like your mama. You're going to be just like your dad. You don't know. It's just a lot that we have experienced in our life. And because of those things that we have experienced, at times it can cause some limitations in us. But I just said that we don't want to be conformed to this world, but we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We want to let Christ's mind be on the inside of us. So we have to recognize that this mind that I'm dealing with a lot of the times right now is not necessarily the mind of Christ. So I have to take these thoughts captive. I've got to start to deal with this soul mind because this soul mind is not necessarily the mind of Christ. And if I'm not watchful, if I'm not vigilant, if I'm not sober, I could take this soul mind and think it's the mind of Christ and it can lead me astray. But I cannot do that. Second Corinthians 5 and 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, but behold, all things have become new. And indeed, when we accept Christ into our hearts in the pardoning of our sins, we allow God to come in and refresh and renew us. Then we're asked to work at our own salvation. Part of that is studying and reading the word of God, praying, praising him and worshiping him. You know, we can praise him all day long. Why? He's already got the victory. Oh, my Lord. I don't have to ask him to meet my needs because he already got the victory. I can just praise him for it. Lord, thank you because you are my shepherd and I have no one. I don't always have to beg him for something. I can thank him for it. He already did it. He already did it. I just have to claim it and appropriate it for myself. And I have to watch it because the enemy will come in and try and snatch that seed up, try to pluck it up. But I've got to nourish it. I've got to make sure that I'm pouring water on it. I'm even giving it some food to grow, some other scripture. I'm reminding it of it. I'm singing psalms and hymns. I'm thinking on those things that are true and honest and lovely and of a good report so that I don't run the risk of allowing those weeds, if you will, to choke out the seed that Christ has planted on the inside of me. And so we have to be mindful of these worldly experiences and understand that they were experiences. Christ allowed them. I'm not saying that he wanted them for us, but they, as I said earlier, all that has happened, God knew me before I got saved. And he knows what I'm going to be later. He, he is Alpha and Omega. He is God all by himself. What I am saying is I believe that God is looking to use every one of those situations for his glory and for his good. But I've got to make sure that I have the mind of Christ and I allow him to do that. Amen. We also must be mindful of our experiences that we have. 
and the conclusions that we tend to draw from them. And I don't want to become the psychologist on tonight, but you all know this is what I do. You know, we have these different levels of our brain that function. We've got this brain that's a little bit higher. And when we're at peace, like the scripture says, if we're at peace, then we can allow the Lord, the spirit to, you know, minister to us. But then there's times that our body kicks in and we're in fight or flight. You know, some psychologists call it the mammalian brain. When we're in that space, we're in survival mode. We are hyper aroused. And when we're in that set, we're really not thinking. Our body's thinking for us. Our heart is pumping fast. Our blood vessels are pumping more blood because our body is just thinking we've got to survive. We've got to survive. Our body doesn't know that our thoughts are not Christ's thoughts and that our ways are not Christ's ways. Our body can make us think that we've got to get our own victory for ourselves. It doesn't know. The soul man doesn't know that Christ has already won the victory and that there are many times Christ will do the opposite. He says, if you're going to live, you got to die. He says, if you want to be exalted, you need to be humble. He says, if you want to be rich, be willing to be poor. Okay. And so the body doesn't know that, but the body will continue to give off these signs, these experiences. And we can sometimes take the signs and the experiences that our body give off as truth and instead of the word of God. And so we have to watch our experiences. We have to know that the only thing that is true is the word of God. If God says I have victory, I have victory. If he is my shepherd, then he is. If he said goodness and mercy is following me, then it has got to be following me. If I don't see it, then it's something wrong with my eyes and me because Christ cannot lie. If he said it's following me, it must be back there. And then my prayer is going to be just like Elijah. Lord, open my eyes so I can see what you're doing because I know your word is firm and your word is true and you cannot lie. And I can stand on the word of God. So we've got to make sure that we watch what's going on with these experiences. Pilate actually asked Jesus this question. He said, what is truth? And so we must be clear about what truth is. Again, it is the unadulterated word of God. And that's what we have to stand on. And that's what we must allow to shape us, not necessarily our personal experiences. We can leverage them as long as it is in Christ. But the word of God is truth. And the word of God is the only thing that is going to stand. A good idea is just a good idea. But if it wasn't an end time word from the Lord, from the Lord Jesus Christ, it's just a good idea. But a word from the Lord and the word of God, it will not fail. Whether people believe, and I know this is going to be a little radical, The word of God will not be. It doesn't matter who uses it. I am a psychologist. And when I look at cognitive behavioral therapy, interpersonal behavior therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, truth be told, all those things and those techniques that I use, they're right in the Bible. They're literally, they're literally in the Bible. (laughs) I can align scripture up. Why? The word of God does not return void. If you want to make sure that you are capitalizing on all of the promises God has given to you, Let's make sure that we stand on the word of God. So 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. We've heard it. We've heard it a lot. But do we understand that as we think, so are we. If I can get the word on the inside of me, 
Sometimes my mind is just running reference to the word. And if I'm thinking the word and if I am the word of Christ, oh, happy day. I don't know if you've ever heard a song, um, maybe been walking in a um, the mall. We, we don't go there now. But you know, how you keep hearing a song or a jingle, if you will, on TV or a commercial. And the next thing you know, you're repeating it and you're saying it. It's kind of like that. We've got to make sure that we are planting on the inside of us those things that are going to be fruitful for us. Uh, researchers and psychologists know that even Aaron Beck and Albert Ellis and all of them, when someone is struggling with depression or something like that, it's really driven by overly negative beliefs and thoughts of oneself and the world. Most times when someone is really depressed, they have the triad view, a negative view of self, a negative view of the world, and a negative view of the future. And you know, when we're given ourselves to that, it's because we have not allowed the light to shine so that we can see who we are. Christ says, you're the apple of my eye. You are a royal priesthood. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the future, oh my goodness. What did he say in Jeremiah? I know my thoughts towards you. Plans to do you good and not harm. Plans to bring you to a perfect end. And so in a view of others, huh? says, um, you know, the scripture that's coming to my mind, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the beard, even Aaron's beard running down. And so at the end of the day, I just want to admonish you that with all of this victory we have, oh, praise God, we have a lot of victory. We must make a decision to stand. And one key way or key area that we have to stand is in our mind. During COVID-19, and I know Daniel did a great job with this cat in thinking, praise God for the teaching of the word of God that came forth. But I will say to you, when you're locked in, you've changed your routine, you're not doing your normal things, you can run the risk of dealing with some type of challenges in your overall way of thinking, with your view of looking at yourself or the world or the future for all of that matter. But when we rest assured in Christ and know that the victory is already his, that he doesn't allow anything to come our way, that he didn't already preordain for us so that it could work out for our good. And, and so when we know all of that, then our behavior looks a little bit different. When there's something that's happening, we can still throw our hands up and say, praise the God, I'm going to stand fast in the word of God. When there's an issue, so to speak. I can focus my attention on the present moment and say, yes, I know the economy's closed down. Yes, my client caseload has gone down. But Lord, you said that you are my shepherd and I will have no one. And I'm going to stand fast on the word of God. I don't know if you're going to take my income up or if you're going to bring the price down, but I know you to be a God of your word. In the country, we used to say our word is our bond. And so, but God's word is even better than that. It is a sure thing and it will not return void. There is a quick, quick technique that I use sometimes to help out with that. You know, you might find yourself engaging into some, we call it um, um, thinking errors or distorted thinking. And the technique is really the ABCs of our thinking. And you might even use a D, but I want to talk to you about that for a moment. Typically, there's an activating event. Something happens. That's the A. There's an activating event. And then the B is what do you believe about that event? See, what are the consequences of those beliefs? Let me give you an example and then I'll get to the dispute. The dispute part is important. That's how we stand in the light. That's how we stand fast in the light. Say there's an activating event. You get a bill in the mail, okay? You got this bill in the mail. You know your funds are low and they're threatening to come and repossess your car or something like that. 
If you believe when you look at that bill, if your belief based on your experience with the world or your own personal experiences, if your personal belief is they're coming to get my car, then as we said in Proverbs, as a man thinketh so is he, then what happens is your life starts to move in that direction. And the next thing you know, people are coming to get your car. So with that activating event, what we want to do is look at what do I believe about that event? Do I do like David and say, wait a minute, is this an opportunity for God to show up and show out? Is this an opportunity for God to work on my behalf? Where there isn't a need, you don't find miracles. You don't find miracles where there are not needs. When you find miracles, when you're seeing God doing exploits, that's because there was a need. That's because something was going on. So when there's an activating event, we cannot look at, look at that event through our worldly eye or through our past experiences. We've got to look at that event through the word of God and say, okay, I got this bill. My funds are low. Now, even though with my natural mind, I may say I don't have any money, but where does my real belief go? Where is the word of God? What do I have faith in? Lord, in your word, you said that you are my shepherd and I shall have no one. So now I surrender myself unto you because you know, you said I will have no one. I ain't gonna try to tell you how to figure it out. I'm not gonna tell you to keep this car because you might be trying to get a, better, a bigger and better car to me. I'm not gonna try to tell you to do because you might, you might work it out in such a way that however you do it, it I know it's gonna be for my good. And so we wanna make sure that we start to dispute some of those thoughts that we have, particularly when those thoughts are not in line with God. So again, the A is an activating event. The B is the belief about that event. The C are the consequences of your belief, which is normally where we are. And the D is what we use to dispute those beliefs. And we dispute it with the word of God. I have a few other examples that I'll give you and, and then I'll, I'll um, stop it. One example of a, a false belief might be um, a false sense of helplessness. In this day and time, some people might be feeling a little bit helpless at this time. So the description of this might be believing that we have less power than we actually do. And so because of that, something that we might, if we believe that, something that we might say to ourselves is, mm, there's no need to apply for a job. Unemployment rates are sky high. Or no need to apply. They're only looking for skilled laborers or things of that nature. As opposed to thinking like that, we start to stand in the light by finding a scripture that's related to that sense of helplessness. And maybe it's the scripture where it says, the Lord says, I will supply all of your needs. Maybe it's the scripture where the Lord says that um, whatsoever uh, it is that all things now are going to work together for my good. Maybe it's the scripture that goes on to say that in Christ, I can do all things because he strengthens me. And so at the end of the day, there are these thoughts that we have because of the experiences that we've had. Let's not just accept them. Let's go back and look at them. Let's ask ourselves, what does the word say about it? We want to apply the word to it. And when we apply the word, it shines light into that dark area, into that negative way of thinking. By the way, just because we're humans and our body's trying to survive, we automatically remember a lot more negative things than positive. We have to work at the positive, believe it or not. We have to work at recalling the positive. When we saw the scripture that says whatsoever things are true in Philippians 4 and 8, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely and of a good report, think on these things. The reason why Christ said that is because in our natural mind, we're going to think on whatever was most negative. Haven't you ever wondered why somebody could do like 100 wonderful, nice, positive things for you and make one mistake 
And the only thing that you can think about is that one mistake. That's because we tend to think about negative things. So we now have to take control of of our mind. We cannot let our soul mind win out. We must allow the word of God to stand firm on the inside of us and stand fast in the light. In closing, I want to say to you that we are no longer called servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, in John 15 and 15, he says, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. That's not me and that's not you. He wrote it all in the book that he calls the Bible. We have some sense of what he's doing. Certainly we don't understand it all right now. um, But what we do know is that he's given us instructions and guidance to do what we need to do. And in John 15, 15, Christ says, but I have called you friends. That is those of us who believe. And he says, and for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known unto you. And so again, in closing, we must stand fast in the light. We must understand that there's a lot of things that may be against us, but if God be for us, he's more than the world against us. We must understand that we're not just wrestling against people, but we're wrestling against our thoughts our worldly experiences, our natural experiences, and we are fighting to try to put them into perspective so that we can maintain or hold the ground and hold the victory that Christ has already won. That is why we're putting on our whole armor of God. That is why we have to have the truth, which is the word of God. That's why we have the breastplate of righteousness. You don't think when you make a mistake, the enemy is going to come in and tell you what you're not. But that's why I put back on my breastplate of righteousness. Not that we are continuing in sin or practicing sin, but I put it on because I know that by grace I have been saved. The other piece is we want to make sure that we have our feet shot with the gospel of preparation of peace. And the reason why we need that is because, again, when we're in that mammalian brain and we're in fight or flight, we cannot we can't rightly hear the spirit of God. And so we want to make sure that we are with the one who keeps us in perfect peace and our faith, quenching those fiery dots, making sure that we have our helmet of salvation, our sword of the spirit. And as Minister Rand said, praying always with all prayers and supplications in the spirit. Tonight, I'd just like to close this by uh, trying to say our benediction that we normally say at Redeemed Assembly. And these are the words of our pastor, Bishop James F. Harris. It's an amazing benediction to me. I always like it. And so I, if, um, I'd like to speak it here in closing. And he actually says, um, or has all of us to say, I reach out into the impossible and I grab hold and I hold until the impossible becomes the visible and the possible. All things are mine. I shall suffer no loss because I belong to Christ and Christ is God. Amen. Amen. You pray much strength in the Lord.